This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What's up? I am feeling a little under the weather today, and I sound really stopped up. I've been uh, kind of stuffy the last few days, too. I've been dog-sitting for some friends of mine, and I think I'm having some some allergies from from him. Uh, but it's all good. So we started talking about Advent last week. We did. Um, Actually, we started talking about Advent two weeks ago. Last week, we just talked about fasting in Advent. Yes, you're right. Sorry. It's been a while since we've recorded actually it has so what do we do with this now what do we do instead of fasting well so you well you can also yeah you can fast if and what i would say is if you're a person who benefits from the sacrifice of fasting during lent maybe try fasting during advent Mm -hmm. um because they're literally rooted in like very similar places yeah um so, like, you, fasting's not off the table, even though most people don't practice it now, but it was practiced for the first, you know, 600 years or so of Advent yeah. um, to literally for, like, half of Advent's existence. It was practiced almost exclusively. Um, but I think another one that is really an advantageous practice during this holiday season this advent season mm-hmm. is service absolutely um you know the gospels tell us that jesus came not to be served but to serve right um and more specifically than any gospel i think jesus servanthood appears most in Luke's gospel Mm -hmm. as Luke's gospel is the gospel for the outcast, the vulnerable, the marginalized. Um, Jesus has a much more servant spirit per se in Luke than in uh, in other ones. Mm -hmm. So, right. John is doing John's own thing. Mark, Jesus is like an action. Yeah character i mean he's just doing miracles and just all over the place very fast-paced i mean just think about it most of the other gospels are longer than 20 chapters right actually i think all of them are longer than 20 chapters um and yet mark is 16 yeah um questionably um 16 full because the end of Mark is right. questionable. Right. Um, so it's the shortest one. It has zero talk of Jesus' birth, uh, zero talk of really anything before Jesus just shows up and starts busting out miracles. Yeah. Um, and so 
And Matthew's gospel is really given over to just like trying to prove Jesus as the fulfillment of Judaism. Right. Like everything is just super Jewish imagery. Mm-hmm. And the fact that in Matthew, like everything happens on a mountain. Right. Everything happens on a mountain in Matthew because Matthew is really trying hard to make Jesus look like the new Moses. Right. Because in Exodus, everything important with Moses happens on the top of a mountain. Yeah. Um, they also spend so much time there at Mount Sinai. Like the just like a third of the story happens literally on a mountaintop. Right. So there's a lot happening there. But in Luke's gospel, Luke not only seems to be the most servant like Jesus, Luke also seems to be the one that's most concerned with serving the poor and the vulnerable. And it's also one of only two of the gospels that tell Jesus's birth story. Mm. The other one being Matthew. Yeah. And once again, Matthew's birth story, very different. Um, actually, <coughs> Hold, please. I'm going to grab a book. I am back. I went to go grab my um, side-by-side side-by-side Greek and English or, yeah. Well, yeah, just my um, synopsis of the four Gospels. It puts them all side by side based on the order and things of which they happen. Oh, got you. Um, and Luke's Gospel is the one that tells us the most about Jesus' actual birth. Mm. Um. And he's the one that gives us all the stories leading up to the birth. So he's the one that gives us the birth of John the Baptist. He's the one that gives us all of that. And in his version of the birth of Jesus is where we get the language of the swaddling cloths. He comes literally as someone without power. Well, yeah, of low status, servanthood status. Um, Well, and it's also um, Luke is the one where the first people to announce the birth of Jesus are the shepherds. Also the lowest of the totem pole. Servanthood status people. Like if you're putting people on a social construct, social stratosphere for per se, everything that's happening in Luke is all about the poor, vulnerable, and people of lower status, Mm -hmm. uh, the servanthood status. Yeah. Um, And I saw something today on Instagram, and I did think it was interesting I had not thought of it before, and I'm not sure how I feel about it fully today. I'm still going to think about it more, but it is worth mentioning here that 
they have to go to Bethlehem for the census. Right. And why do they have to go to Bethlehem? Do you remember? Because um, Caesar had said that everybody needed to be registered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But why? They live in Nazareth. Oh. Why did they have to go to Bethlehem? Oh, because it was the, the closest um, place that you could. Oh, no. Because it was. That was joseph's hometown right that's yeah that's the city that joseph's lineage hails from yeah so i remember now yes putting the story together now notice two things biblically and culturally both of these things would be true this is not the thing i'm questioning joseph has to return back to his hometown the Mm -hmm. place where he hails from right odds are joseph has a ton of family in that city Second, Joseph is not Jesus' dad. Right. But yet, he and Mary are going to Joseph's house, Mm. and they're not married yet. Right. They're betrothed. I mean, they're engaged. But Mary went with Joseph, not with her father. Right. So that means she was registered with Joseph. Yes. Meaning... And when they're registering, they're asking the question, are you pregnant? Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> Meaning that everyone now in the city knows of Joseph's shame. Because he's marrying a woman who is pregnant outside of marriage. Yeah. Here's the thing that was brought to my attention on Instagram that I think is noteworthy. And it's important because it comes back to the servanthood piece. His family rejects him. What are the odds that there's not a single room left between all of his family's households? Yeah. Not a floor they can sleep on? Nothing? Yeah. Now, this is very speculative, right? It's semi-speculative. Because we do know that there would have been a ton of his family living in the Hale City. Bethlehem's the city of David, like, or one one of Jerusalem's really the city of David, but right. Fair enough. Like, it's not super speculative, but I do think it comes into play here for Luke's gospel specifically, and we see this kind of take shape in John's gospel a little bit in a different way. But Jesus is literally born in the most shameful of circumstances right not not of any he's born literally in the place that animals are born a a place that's second class citizenship per se but i will also say you remember on um this week's episode of A Closer Look, we talked about Adam and Jesus being typology. Right. How would him being born amongst the animals mm. mirror a type of Adam? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, God's charge to Adam was to name all the animals, right? And, and then and tend the garden. and So Adam's role is to be a servant yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. 
as he is instructed to care for the animals. In the same way, Jesus becomes this type of servant, born amongst the animals, with no responsibility to them. He actually doesn't have a responsibility to serve the animals the way Adam does. Jesus has a responsibility to serve humanity in a way that Adam does not. I think all of it in the lowly kind of status that's happening here really should focus your mind and attention onto the kind of servanthood element of all of this. Yeah. Um, especially when you have Jesus saying things like, I did not come to ser- to be served, but right. to serve. Once again, what, what kind of people get served? The, the highest in society, right? Those are the people that are served. The, the wealthy and powerful. Yeah. The people that Luke's gospel actually doesn't care much about at all. Right. I mean, they're around. Sure. They kind of show up here and there because they're just people that happen in Jesus' life. But more times than not, Luke's gospel is always focused on women, sick, mm-hmm. poor, widows, and orphans. Yep. The And especially the quartet of the vulnerable. Luke Luke paints Jesus in the most serving way possible. And here's the other way that Luke paints Jesus as a man of servanthood. What was Luke? He was a doctor. Okay. In the ancient world, in order for you to be a doctor, do you know what you had to do? Well, you had lots of schooling. Sure. You had to be pretty wealthy because you had to do all the schooling or come from wealth. Fair enough. You had to be extremely educated. Yep. So, like, lots of things happening here. So it's no different than modern day. (laughs) Except that you don't make lots of money when you get there. Mm. Okay. Doctors, I mean, they're tradesmen. Right. I mean, they, they, they operate a trade. Like, they're... They don't get rich the way that doctors do now. Yeah. They're not rewarded in the same way. And Luke paints Jesus as the ultimate healer. Mm. Even right, even in his language, when he's answering questions of the Pharisees, he says, it is not it is not the healthy in need of a physician, it's the sick. Right. And Jesus is talking about himself as the physician. Like I cannot think of a single metaphor in Luke's gospel that is not servanthood driven. Doctors in the ancient world are doctors because they want to serve people, not because it's going to make them wealthy. Right. I think there are far less doctors today that are doctors because they want to help people than there are because they're smart and doctors are wealthy. Right. Or can be wealthy. Yeah. All of the gospel message around Jesus and specifically all of the gospel message around Jesus in Luke's gospel, Jesus is a servant. Yeah. And not just a servant, but like the ultimate servant. Right. Um, and so I think there's a lot of... 
revelation that can happen mm-hmm. um, when you serve during this time. Mm-hmm. I remember I spent a Christmas Eve when I was in late elementary school, early middle school, Probably. somewhere around there. Something like that. Um, I sent it. I spent Christmas Eve at a a, a ministry for homeless people. Mm-hmm. Um, got there super early. Bitter cold outside. Yeah. Um. Dad, dad took me, and man, when when we showed up we immediately start like helping cook and serve and do all these things. We're there. I mean, we're giving out like a lunch is right. what we're doing. And for somebody who doesn't have a lot of memory, like doesn't have great memory, I got a lot of memories from that day. Yeah. Because it just painted service for me in a very different light. Sure. Um, and when it's cold outside and you're in the holiday spirit and you're thinking about Advent, and you're thinking about generosity and you're thinking about Santa Claus and you're thinking about wanting to be with your family and yet you look around and there's maybe 200 people in here that are here because they literally have nowhere else to go. Yeah. Um, and then you stop and you think... Wait, Jesus cares for those people the same exact way he cares for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think there's really something to serving during this time that's very different. If you're looking for a unique spiritual practice that you don't do often for the Advent season, I think service is a great one. And, and you know, it's this time of year is also a time of year that people want to spend with their families. Right, mm-hmm. and this is a fun family activity. I don't know if you've ever served with your family. Oh yeah, but that—that's a lot of fun to do. Mm-hmm. Um, done in the right way. Yep. Done, yep. done yep. healthily. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and there's a ton of different ways that you can do this. Um, I know that like you could run toy drives. Like I know people that do that. Um. You could go volunteer at like homeless shelters. Like that's a big thing. You go like uh, volunteer at like women's shelter. Like there's so many different options. And I know this from working with my own clients. This time of year is really hard for people that don't have families or don't have access to their families. So the little things that you can do to serve other people in this time of year might make some of the biggest impact 